take your bulletin in, folks, find our text turn to again in Matthew 13, verses 10 through 17. Today we continue our series through Matthew's Gospel entitled Prophetic Messiah, and today is the day. Given that Advent begins next week, our passages will shift uh, in a sense and focusing more on Jesus. Let's come to God and ask for help. Let us pray. Before I read the text, let me pray and ask for the Lord's help. Gracious God, you have told us that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Lord, would you open our eyes to see wondrous things in your word? Speak to us as we pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a need of God's word, we have these text verses starting in verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Answered them to you that you can give them to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. He will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Instead, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, but never understand, and he will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's hearts have grown dull, and with their eyes they can barely see, and their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they perceive with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and they turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see and hear. Two weeks ago, 
you have to remember that during Job's weeks after he confronts him in verses 34 and 35 of this uh, chapter, verse 1, this chapter contains seven parables about the kingdom of God. And right before we picked up in verses 1 through 9, Jesus tells this parable of the sower who put in both seeds, the different kinds of sowing, the baby seed and the seed of sorrow. And then in verse 33, the disciples come to Jesus and ask him, why do you speak to them in parables? He says, why do you talk to them in crowds and crafts? And what we read here is Jesus answering them. There is a link of a human persuasion in the fact those who have eyes to see and ears to hear embrace the kingdom of God. That's really going to be our focus for this morning. Those who have eyes to see and ears to hear embrace the kingdom of God. But first, those who do have eyes to see and ears to hear. In response to the disciples' questions, Jesus says, Continue because you're given to know the secrets of the kingdom something dramatically here in this parable that Jesus is giving. The verb can either be active or passive. An active verb is where the subject goes to action. I took the ball. Passive is where the verb is different. So the subject is active or passive. So it would be I was hit by the ball. I took the ball. Potter reminds you that Here in verse 11, Jesus uses that passive verb. He says, to him that has been given. The disciples are receiving this knowledge. They're, get, they're not getting it on their own. It's being given to them. And this is magnified by the fact that theologically speaking, this is called a divine pattern. God is the one who is acting They were smarter than just so happened to be Jesus. It was all God doing His gracious purposes in their lives. And so we can extrapolate from this that all who have eyes to see and ears to hear have them because God has first given them to them. Remember, years ago when we fasted, the Lord gave me eyes to see Savior and Lord. This is only because God has given me eyes to see and ears to hear. Not that He did anything of that nature to deserve it. This is the way of waiting here for God. Reformed theology, we call this the doctrine of effectual power, which is where it comes from when it said, is the work of God's people, whereby convincing us of our sin and weakness, enlightening our minds to knowledge of God, and renewing our wills, so that we crave and enable us to embrace Jesus says something very similar in John 3, 3, where he says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Be born again is a work of God. We can't do that. We can't be born again on our own. That's not just grace. That's not just power. He is the one who gives you and I the miracle of Jesus. He is the one who 
Spirit going on. You can be concerned with being in the calm and the function, but you can't sustain it. Sure, I can do that. Yeah, like, yeah, that shouldn't be that hard, right? Hopefully not the rest of the guys that came in with me. They were like, man, you can't just do this on your own. I don't even know who that is anymore. And so I have kind of stumbled through and went, hey, wait a second. Uh, it was rough. It was rough. And so I lost, but I haven't been afraid in 20 years. And so I'm never going to ask you again. Message will be 
probably about as well as it would be to see you today. If people wanted to think that God was affirming of them, that they were doing great, even if they pat on the back or take a scoff or joke or cry or praise you. Society says if you're just one of those people who are doing great, everything's good. God must be laughing for us. to his day, and then it applies to our day as well. It has an ongoing fulfillment about those who hear the Word of God and do not respond to it. Those who don't come out and see the Lord Jesus are displaced because they have hardened their hearts to God. The Lord's judgment is departing them from the Jesus of God. the message that isn't strong enough to bring him to salvation, actually the life in Jesus Christ. John Calvin says in his commentary, the word of God in its own nature is always right. What is right is more just than right is wrong. Think about it like this. Think about somebody who doesn't have good eyesight. Maybe they have some kind of degenerative disease of the eyes. And so what are they typically? They're inside and they're wearing sunglasses to just make the light come out. But imagine they go out in the middle of the day when the sun's shining brightly. What is that? Their poor eyes are going to be worse because the light is so bright. And that's what Jesus is saying about your spiritual eyes. That the light of the goodness of God will make your eyes worse unless God Israel were slaves in Egypt. They went out, heard their cries for deliverance, and he sent Moses and Aaron to go to Pharaoh and say what? Let my people go. Pharaoh was not so interested in losing all of his workers, his slaves. And so in Exodus 8, verse 16, we read, But when Pharaoh saw that there was a remnant, he hardened his heart and did not listen. It says Pharaoh hardened his heart. And after some of the plagues, it says, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Why did they go out and hide their eyes? Why did God tell them to go out and hide their eyes? Because they were afraid. What we see is Pharaoh and what Jesus does here in Matthew 13 is the juxtaposition of divine sovereignty and human responsibility. God is both sovereign and we are responsible for our sin. Scripture teaches both of them, although Scripture doesn't explain to us how they perfectly fit together. And so we say, I may not understand it fully, but I accept it by faith because God's word tells me to.
Apostle Paul here gives us reference to Romans chapter 9, verse 14. He says, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Verse 19, he says, and he will say to you again, why does this Gentile stumble at you? Who can resist his grace? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? For what is bold is meant for this only, why has he made you a stumbling block? In other words, why don't you just speak back to God? that does not love God doesn't love Him. Though the light of the gospel shines, they run further into the darkness. Because they do not love God. And all my hope is to offer this again, to give is the case, then praise be to God. After all, He is the one who gave you those eyes to see and ears to hear to begin with, as we saw earlier in this passage. And so the appropriate response is to thank God for giving these things. And praise day is so important. Because every year we're reminded to be thankful to God for all that we have. And we often spend time making a list or talking around the dinner table of the things that our family, our food, and our jobs, and our bank account, and our cars, and our house, and so on and so forth. And those are all good things because they're all gifts from God. But I think one of the most important things we can thank God for, and that is this as well, is that we have says in 1 Corinthians 2 that things of God are spiritually discerned. How often do we open our Bibles and just start reading, thinking, oh, I can figure this out on my own. I got this. You may not say that now, but you don't stop and say, Lord, open my eyes so I may understand your word. Speak to me by your spirit. Because we can do it on our own. Even if we are reading.
Bible says give glory when the glory of God comes to you. Once you're lost and you have a marriage, you don't have to give glory to God. You can give glory to God. But Charlie's called to take glory to himself. Just like that. So what about me? Do you have to give glory to God? Clearly it's not right. In other words, you could be someone who thinks that you have eyes to see and ears to hear, but the fact of the matter is you can't.